whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here, who is also a friend. Uh, So if there's a little bit of... uh, of familiarity uh, in our conversation, then uh, you'll know why. But we have Matt Kness here, who is currently the CEO of Goodwill Finds. And Goodwill Finds is a new social enterprise and e-commerce marketplace that extends Goodwill's mission by creating social impact through the power and dignity of work. And Matt has been tasked with creating this social enterprise and big, 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 big endeavor uh, under a license with Goodwill Industries, which we all have heard of. Uh, But sales will directly benefit the communities from which the items were 
sourced and uh, they'll fuel local programs for workforce development and job training. So who doesn't love that, of course? And I can't think of a better person to spearhead this. And I'm super excited to hear a lot more about it. So welcome, Matt. Amazing. Thanks, Karen. I'm so excited to be here with you. Super excited. So before we jump into a lot of other stuff, uh, just at the top, I'd love to hear what is Goodwill Finds? Goodwill Finds is a new two-sided marketplace. So we are partnering with the Goodwill Network, which is comprised of 155 independent franchises that share the Goodwill mission and brand that today sell um, e-commerce mostly as a third-party seller on Amazon and eBay. We are building for the first time a platform that unifies a catalog of all of their e-commerce items into one marketplace for consumers to shop from across the country that is completely uh, pioneering for the Goodwill network. Uh, it's uh, very much a new venture for this 120-year-old mission-based organization. And I'll just share, we launched in October, and the response has been off the charts. Uh, I like to say that Goodwill is a love brand. Uh, when you hear the name, uh, it makes you think about an experience you had or a moment in your life. Um and we've been very fortunate that we've been able to partner with the Google Network and leverage the brand to have uh, quite a bit of success since the launch in October. So did you ever think that you would have a role like this where you are, were not only helping other companies uh, to have a better footprint, but also create more jobs and help communities? Was that ever a goal of yours? No, in, in fact... Um, I feel like this is in some ways the manifestation of everything I've ever done. And at the same time, a completely new chapter of something that I get to, to write as we're doing it. Um, I've been very fortunate in my life that I, for whatever reason, have had a lot of self-awareness of what I'm doing. And when I found retail in my 30s, uh, fashion in particular, uh, I just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the idea that you could create this brand that people care about, that creates community. And I've been on this 20-year heater professionally where I keep finding these amazing opportunities to work at love brands and lifestyle brands that that people really care about. And the best part about it for me is I get to operate within these companies and work with some of the most talented, professional, creative people I've ever met in my life. And when I was presented with this opportunity last year, um, a couple of things jumped out to me. The first is the mission of goodwill. Uh, my older brother was born with a handicap. I've watched him go on and off disability his entire adult life. And so when they presented this to me and the idea that Goodwill's mission is to improve lives through the power and dignity of work. I, I've lived that with my older brother my entire life. I understand personally why the mission is so important. And then when you couple that with this really unique moment in retail, where resale is kind of crossing over into the mainstream, and there's this massive opportunity to innovate and grow 
uh, within a market that is you know pretty tepid right now uh, economically. That got me really excited to be able to come in and, and build something new. And then the last thing I'd say is you know putting that together and thinking about you know what is the impact that resale has in the world with respect to sustainability. Um, it was just one of these unique opportunities that I was like, wow, like how could I not do this? Yeah, you needed to listen a little closer to the the recruiter on this one for sure. So <laughs> you touched on this that you didn't actually go into fashion until you were in your thirties. So you were you started out in engineering and patent law. <laughs> Wild. I did. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. 
Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. I did not know that you were an attorney too. So learn something new. So uh, uh, about uh, friends. So that's amazing. So how did you end up in fashion and retail? It was a combination of luck and just uh, continuing to find my own limits and say, this is not for me. I have to go on to the next thing. Uh, I like the joke that if I ever write a memoir, it'll be called Patent Law to Patent Mother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, my, my dad was an engineer. My mom was a computer teacher. So I, I went to school for engineering. And after a couple of summers of doing it, realized I'd be a terrible professional engineer. I just didn't have the passion for it. And so after deciding that I wanted to go to law school, but not being able to afford it, I found an opportunity in the patent office where they pay for it when you go at night. And I worked with enough patent attorneys to realize that it wasn't for me. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that as nicely as I can, that that wouldn't be where my passion lied. And um, I had a good friend from high school who went to uh, get his MBA up in Boston. I'd never heard the acronym MBA before my mid-20s and wound up uh, getting the opportunity to study at UVA, which I loved. And then from there, uh, a couple stops until I found the lane that I'm in now, which was a, a very lucky, uh, gratuitous timing of a project that I got assigned to at Burton Snowboard up in Vermont about 20 years ago. And I like to say that consultants typically don't work with great companies because great companies don't need consultants. Mm -hmm. um, but this was an outlier where it was a, this amazing brand that was growing 50% year over year, but making less money. And had to bring in outsiders to figure out why. And that was the project that I was given. And after doing that for a couple of years, I was like, this is what I want to do with my career. And so that's what led to um, 
the opportunity that I went to next, which is at Urban Outfitters. And I've, I've kind of been in the space ever since. That's amazing. And obviously, it wasn't just Urban Outfitters. They have a few other brands underneath that umbrella, too. So you're being very, very modest about it. And you and I met when you joined Mod Cloth. So you've done some really, really interesting things along the way and really um, aspirational brands, too. And I mean, you've sort of covered all the different generations, the Gen X, the uh, millennials, the Gen Zers, uh, you know, it's just, it's really, really interesting. So can you share more about the business model for Goodwill Finds? I'd love to hear kind of how you, it, it's not just individual consumers um, that you're working with, but you have a whole other group that you're working with as well, correct? Yeah. So I'm a, a lifelong student. Okay. Like I just, it's um, following curiosity is one of my first principles. And I've never worked in resale before. So I'm, I'm studying the industry while we're building uh, this new platform. And one of the things that I've learned is that there are different business models within uh, the resale category. You have uh, the managed marketplace model, which real, real and thread up are two examples where they take possession of the inventory and then they sell it on consignment and then the seller gets a percentage uh, after the fact. And then you have the peer-to-peer model, which is like Depop and Poshmark, where they're really create, and Etsy kind of pioneered this, where they're creating tools for sellers to build out their storefronts and then helping them to aggregate their audiences, but they're really more kind of a software layer and driving tools and it's more of a technology venture than than the managed marketplaces that have physical showrooms and warehouses and et cetera. Um, and then there's the B2B2C model, which is what we're building out, which is more akin to uh, to Amazon and eBay, where you have partners on the one side that are selling goods, and then you have consumers on the other side where you're you're aggregating up the supply and selling it to them. Specifically for us at Goodwill Finds, we like to think that this model we're building is pioneering circularity in retail. So I'll explain that. For the consumer, when you're thrifting at a Goodwill store or an area of stores, you have to drive around to each location. Or if you're shopping with um, for thrifting online, you're going to different websites like an eBay or an Amazon or some regional marketplace, and you can't shop it all in one location. We're bringing the best of thrift from Goodwills across the country into one shopping experience. So as a consumer, you can thrift in Seattle, Miami, Chicago, LA, and we're adding more Goodwills you know, by the month here. We launched with four Goodwills. Uh, we're now uh, over 10. We're targeting to have... Um, 25 or more by the end of this year. There's 155 goodwills, so we're hoping over time that we add all of them. And so we're 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 massively aggregating supply right now, and that's a huge win for consumers because we're making it super easy to thrift from all across the country. For goodwill, we're giving them a new selling channel they didn't have, so that they can accelerate their e-commerce growth, which allows them to capture more margin on the items versus what they are able to capture when they sell it through their stores. 
or sell it through a third-party marketplace. And that margin directly funds their social services and their mission programs in their local communities. And then all of it, resale, including us, takes all these items that would go into landfills and keeps them circulating in the economy. And so when you put that all together, good for consumers, good for the planet, good for local communities. And so we're building something I think that's unique within resale um, and is something that we hope will be a platform that will kind of lead the Goodwill network through a, a digital transformation to allow them to compete for the next 120 years. So just so I understand this, so are you curating from the, whatever shows up in each of these Goodwill stores? So, Carrie, you go to your local Goodwill and you drop off donations at your local uh, donation center. They have a process where they sort out what items are better for e-com versus stores. Uh -huh. The items that are pulled out for e-com then get curated and prepared for listing on all the various marketplaces, including ours. And then the more success we have, obviously, those members are going to give us more of their e-commerce items. And then the better job that we do, we're able to then help them pull out more items from the store because they can't capture as high of a price in store where you're selling to just local traffic. Got it. Online, which is obviously the theory of the commercial internet is one to many versus one to one. That happens in spades. What's been a challenge for decades for resale is it hasn't been cost effective to do secondhand because every item is a one-off. Right. But given the fact that Goodwill already has these operations and given the fact that technology has evolved where the cost of listing and selling an item has dropped dramatically compared to 10 years ago, we could actually do this profitably. That's amazing. So are you actually, so will they actually pick and pack at each of these individual stores for you and send it out from there? Yeah. So we're totally decentralized operations. We are building our platform and deploying software around their existing operations. Okay. So um, listing, catalog management, uh, warehouse management, and then uh, pick, pack, and ship are, are all enablements that we're able to deploy. And then we're building out a proprietary data warehouse, data lake that allows us to capture all of the 1P data that they're not able to capture in other platforms, which anybody in e-commerce and, and marketplaces understands the importance of that around driving personalization, around retention marketing, around extending lifetime value. And then over time, what we're hoping to do is to really integrate our platform into their in-store customer experience and point of sale so that we can start to convert shoppers to donators, uh -huh. digitize donation receipts, and then convert donators to, to shoppers and to, to do that in a multi-channel way so that folks coming in the store begin to shop with us online and, and folks that discover Goodwill through our marketplace that Goodwill finds we then can convert to be store shoppers in their local communities. So interesting. And then in addition, let's say that XYZ retailer has a bunch of returns that are not going to make it out on the floor. Say it's like past the season or there's not enough of them and they know that they're going to end up in deep, deep discounts. That This is an opportunity rather than 
actually ending up in landfill, as you've described, they can put these, you know, bulk, well, small donations, but also bulk donations to you all, correct? Yes. And and Kara, I'm so happy that you brought that up because the the, one of the things that has been really gratifying for me since I joined this venture has been not just the consumer response and the industry response, but friends of mine who have reached out from the industry and are like, I, I love what you guys are doing. Tell me more about it. And um, I won't mention who because obviously conversations are confidential to this point, but we've had both retailers and brands reach out to say, we want to partner with you. And I'll give you a couple of um, examples of why uh, on the retailer side they're selling new goods from brands and their customers are shopping for these same brands used at other marketplaces and retailers can't afford to lose their customers to somebody else's point of sale so the same way that you go to an amazon today and you buy a book or media or an electronic and in the checkout flow before you buy it they give you a used option 10 years from now, that's going to be unbelievably common in every mass merchant's online customer experience where you're going to be given the opportunity to buy something new and then shown an option to buy the same or like item secondhand for a cheaper price. And so retailers, especially ones with marketplaces, are starting to experiment with that of like, how do we integrate used goods under the same brand banners in the same shopping experience with new items from those brands. So we're having some conversations with some of those mass merchants now where we could expose our catalog and cross list, not just on our marketplace, but in their environment. And then on the brand side, which is what you brought up, we've had brands reach out to us and say, we want to have a third party that we can trust to be the objective place where we can send our our overbuys, our returns, our damages to and not give it to jobbers uh-huh. that then ship it off overseas and it goes into landfill somewhere. But we we want these items to get recirculated. But some of these for profit marketplaces, yeah, you know, there's a little bit of a of conflicting objectives. And so they see us as almost Switzerland because we're a nonprofit, because we're a platform where we're selling donations. We I envision that we'll have goodwillfinds.com backslash brand name where we'll be selling the the returned items for big brands commingled with donations from those same brands and the same shopping experience for consumers. And I think this is going to happen for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that uh, there's a lot of ESG pressure uh-huh. from investors on a lot of these bigger brands that are public as to what's your ESG strategy. But two, Gen Z, the younger consumer, they've completely taken the stigma off of secondhand. And when they do buy new, they want to know about the values and the ethos of that brand. And over time, they're going to be asking, what are you doing with all your overbuys and returns? So it's it becomes brand enhancing to say we partner with Goodwill Finds at the tail end not just we source ethically on the front end, but we dispose of ethically on the back end. And so that's another kind of like, as I think about the industry 10 years out, I think that's going to become more commonplace. So, so interesting. So I'm curious too, like you mentioned giving, you know, these returns or damaged goods to like jobbers, for example, giving it to 
goodwill fines to actually sell. I wonder if there's any type of write-off there as well, because you guys are a nonprofit. I mean, we can give a, a tax receipt as well. Yeah. Really, really interesting stuff for yeah. sure. So Goodwill is not a new brand, and you are tasked with making an old brand trendy, even though it's a different name, but people hear the name Goodwill, and I think it's it's definitely a positive, um, but when you say Goodwill Finds, people are like, wait, what is that? And uh, so they're willing to look at it a little more, and obviously it's, uh, you know, you're tasked with making this old school, what, a hundred-year-old brand, uh, I'm guessing, um, on the age of that, but trendy and uh, having a um, kind of positive effect, an ESG helper for many, many people as well. What's the first step in changing any stigma attached to an old brand, given how much experience you've had out there in retail? Well, I've been unbelievably fortunate to work at some amazing brands and so for me, a lot of it is just relying on my experience working at a Burt Snowboards and Urban Outfitters, Anthropology, Free People. And you know that's a decade plus for me being in the four walls where you just, you know, people get it or they don't. They understand what we're doing with this brand or they don't. You know, some of the stories I like to, to point to, Wall Street would ask, uh, Urban Outfitters, why is an anthropology selling men's and kids like J. Crew and Banana Republic? And we we're the response would be like, you don't get the brand. <laughs> like the customer's trying to, she's trying to escape her obligations when she shops at anthropology. Why would we remind her of that <laughs> in the store environment? Burnt snowboards, it was all about the rider. And so it was just about the skate park kid getting his driver's license. And not wanting to hang out with the skiers on the mountain. And like, that's the kid who became Sean White that repped the sport. So, as you kind of, you know, and then Urban, you know, Urban Outfitters is the art school kid who was never, you know, at the football games in the pep rally and needing a place to like hang out that was their own. So, for me, for whatever reason, I've been able to intuitively kind of connect to who's the customer and what are we trying to do for her or him. So, when I get to, mod cloth right away and you ask the question how do you do it first step is to talk to people internally mm -hmm. right like how do we think about the brand and the customer but also what words are we using when i got to mod cloth there was this big debate about reg size versus plus size okay. and going back to 2014-15 it was pretty pioneering at the time to be using plus size models and we were one of the first there and then through conversation, it was just obvious to me that we were we were revolutionizing inclusive fashion. Like that's what we were doing. Um, there's a saying I learned from Dick Kane that great brands have a narrow focus on wide appeal. And I felt like ModCloth had this amazing narrow focus on serving their community, but there wasn't a wide appeal. And so I worked with the team to come up with this tagline and this focus on how do you execute inclusive fashion in a way that serves the community, but also makes it appealing to more people? And that's what we did for you know the three years I was there with with a lot of success. Um, when I when we sold mod cloth to Walmart, I got to Walmart and amazing company by the way, really strong culture. Internally, they love their brand, but 
but as an outsider, it was so obvious to me that how they viewed their brand internally was so disconnected from people like me, mostly coastal folks that never shopped at Walmart. And so Mark Laurie bought like half a dozen different brands for Walmart. I was one of the CEOs of those brands. And we met with their comms team and their PR team. And we talked about our experience with branding and their goals on the Walmart side. And since then, you've seen them really go out and talk about their brand, their brand values, how they think about um, helping customers not just save money, but save time, brag about all the amazing things they do for minority-led businesses, women-led businesses, and um, you know, using um, the cold chain you know, and being an a leader in the industry, uh, all the wage improvements that they made under Doug McMillan. So a lot of it starts with how you talk internally. So I get the goodwill and the, the members that I interact with, they're so hyper-focused on their mission uh -huh. and serving 2 million people a year and placing or training a quarter million people a year and like this really massive impact locally. But it was obvious to me that there was an opportunity externally to talk about the brand in a much more nuanced and layered way. So I just start riffing on, hey, you guys are the OG of thrifting. <laughs> and that kind of stuck. And we so we started talking about it in the press, like, hey, like the OG of thrifting is is making a move online. And then it got a lot of a lot of press in, in in the industry. But for me, that's more about getting the team excited. Uh -huh. Right. It's like it's press to me is not a it's not about I mean, it helps to have earned media to leverage down your cost of acquisition, but it's really about helping the team be really excited about what building and getting acknowledged externally so that, because it has like an impact when their, their parents or their siblings or their neighbor or friends like, Hey, I read about your company today. Right. And that brings them into work all excited. And so like using modern lingo and then also talking about the sustainability impact that Goodwill has. Nearly 4 billion pounds of goods were diverted from landfills just last year by the Goodwill Network. It's staggering, but they wow. weren't talking about it. Yeah. Right? And I think one of the other things that, that we've done is you have to connect your brand to the cultural conversation happening. Uh-huh. You can't expect people to come to you and, and say, tell me about yourself. You have to go out where the conversation is happening and you have to participate. And so we've also spent a lot of time the last, you know, call it eight, nine months since I've gotten involved in making sure that when folks are talking about the sustainability impact of resale, that they're not leaving out the largest reseller of fashion in the country <laughs> and yeah. talk about, you know, this 4 billion pounds, which nobody else in the space, you know, is doing. And so, yeah, that's been my approach everywhere I've been, and we're having some success doing it here as well with Goodwill. So when you look at the retail industry, and I guess this is really a question, uh, more of a leadership question, but if somebody wants to move their company forward and into into the world where uh, you see people headed, uh, not just consumers, but other brands as well, and they really want to make some positive change. What's a first step for a leader to do that? 
Well, I definitely have some lessons learned and and thoughts on this that um, it's it's hard to summarize, but a couple of thoughts come to mind. The first is uh, ask yourself if your brand went away tomorrow, would anybody care? I like that. I think half the brain out there, the answer would be no or I don't know who would care. Uh-huh. And then if you can answer who would care, really focus on that customer. Uh-huh. And just obsess about why they would care that you go away. And then make sure that you are over-delivering on the brand promises that you're making. Meaning your brand promises is maybe the hardest thing to really articulate and measure over time. You know, Urban was always the place where college kids could go to figure out what's cool and what the trends are and what's latest and to meet guys and girls and to like connect with music and and culture and just like figure out like what's going on in the world. And Mod Cloth was where um, women of all shapes and sizes could shop together and not feel judged and feel like they could express themselves individually. And yeah, like these are the, the words and the lingo we use everywhere. And so, you know, for goodwill, it's all about mission and impact. And it's like, what are we achieving to better the world, better the planet? And um, so I, I've always felt fortunate to work in places where there was a clear identity and we had a clear set of promises we were making and that's how we would measure ourselves. So I think that's kind of one first step. The second is, you know, ask yourself, are you making deposits or withdrawals on your brand equity, right? Like brand equity is like a, a financial uh, investment account that compounds over time. And it takes a long time to build a great brand. Like Kara, what you've done at Hint, right? Like you say Hint now and everybody, it, it, it brings to mind something that you care about. And it's different for everybody, but it's taking you a long time to be able to create that brand equity and, and, you know, look at Coca-Cola and Nike and Google and, you know, how much their brands are worth. Brand equity is a, is a hard thing to measure, but it's a real thing. And so when you look at the actions you're taking as a leader, are you making deposits to your brand equity account? Or are you making withdrawals? And it's so obvious, at least to me, what's, deposits and withdrawals versus neutral. Totally. And so you have to be thinking about that. And then the last thing is, you know, your people. Uh-huh. I was chief strategy officer at Urban, which was always kind of an interesting title because that's like that wasn't really what we were doing there. At least that's not how I would just have described it. But um but I do have a point of view on what is strategy. And I say strategy is what your team can envision doing together. You really have to ask yourself, do you have the people? Right? Like I I won't say the brand, but I've worked at places or I've been involved with some businesses where you go into a business and everybody's apathetic. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, that's death. You can't do anything. Right? So the the opposite of passion is in dispassion is apathy. And so the other thing as a leader is you have to make sure that, you know, are you the right leader for the situation? Do you have the right team? Are they excited about what they're working on? Um, and because you have a responsibility to them and they have a responsibility to each other. So I just I just feel like it's, it's these kind of simple constructs that I've been able to develop and pattern over the years that is how I view the world and how I view brands. 
Well, and I think also partnering uh, with a brand like Goodwill Finds too, uh, you mentioned employees, but I think showing that you're actually trying to help, right, in some way. And that's such a key, key thing for um, so many people to be able to, you know, feel good about their company and their experience. I think that that is is truly, um, you know, a huge opportunity for sure um, for for any retailer to be able to do. Plus, like you said, it could be right off. It could be all of those things, but it's a great way to start. I, I felt like any partnerships that uh, we've done at Hint over the years, whether it's, uh, you know, breast cancer awareness or anything like that, you, you, even if it's not your nonprofit or your cause, I mean, you feel good to be able to brag about your company being involved with that. And I think if you're a leader that is looking for an opportunity, this is such a great one to look into for sure. So uh, best advice you've ever received, Matt? Oh, geez. I'll give my mom credit. She said, if anybody pays you a compliment, just say thank you. <laughs> there you go. I, I love that. Well, I, uh, I definitely a- agree with that. And, um, and you have been such an amazing friend and supporter and uh, really, really appreciate you um, in spades. So love that. So thank you so much. We'll have all the info in the show notes on Goodwill Finds and you. And thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023. And goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.